Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Rod Atesh of The Athletic as we look ahead to the expansion draft, talk about the Minnesota Wild buyout, and all the things that are happening in the NHL this crazy July. And then we'll talk to Jordy Wilson, head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles, as they they have a schedule. There's going to be a CJFL season this year. Huzzah! So stay tuned to the podcast. It's been a bit since we've had our next guest on. Murata Tesh covers the Jets for the Athletic. It's the off season, but that doesn't mean he's not busy. Murat, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, Christian. I'm happy to be back on the show. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, are you looking forward to what should be a, a bit of a hectic few weeks coming up for the Jets and or, around the league as well? Well, I mean, it's already been a hectic week, and it's only just begun. You've got the Suter and Parise buyouts in Minnesota. You have the Duncan Keith trade, which I didn't see coming in a million years at that asset price. You know Winnipeg has some you know issues with Seattle protection. Mason Appleton currently um, seems to be the odd man out up front. The old Dylan DeMello versus Logan Stanley battle on defense. I mean, I think that we're going to see a lot of teams around the league start making those shuffles, and we're going to see more of what we've seen from the beginning of this week from essentially here right through the opening of free agency at the end of the month. Yes, Suter and Parise, I don't think anyone saw that coming either, that they would get bought out on the same day at the same time. Let's just start with Suter. Is that someone the Jets should look into, or is he A, too old, and B, too expensive? Well, at 36 years old, I guess the theory is that the bottom's going to drop out of him into the, in the not-too-distant future. And we've seen that happen with so many players around the league, even the extremely good ones. I mean, it's rare for those Zdeno Charos to keep pushing forward or the Aramir Yagers to keep pushing forward as they approach 40 and beyond. So I think that's a buyer-beware situation. However, at all accounts, and, you know, talking to and reading Mike Russo at The Athletic, uh, who just dominates that beat in minnesota i mean i think all reviews of Suter's performance this year was that he played like a top four defenseman and for every top four defenseman available on the market whether it's unrestricted free agent whether it's a trade opportunity i think winnipeg is in a position where they need to do due diligence is he the answer i'm not sure that there's a necessary fit i think he wants to go to an instant contender i think would be his ideal situation however given Winnipeg's needs, given his abilities, it's somebody that they should be poking around at at least a little bit. Well, and given the fact that Minnesota clearly is an example of this, not a lot of teams have a lot of cap space right now, throwing in the complication of protection issues heading into the expansion draft. Well, yeah, cap space, a definite premium. That's an interesting one. Protection issues being another one. And, I mean, that's why I wrote, I'm sorry to pivot, but I wrote at The Athletic this week, Winnipeg and Andrew Copper in a unique situation because as a restricted free agent this summer, one year away from unrestricted eligibility, he has arbitration rights. If he uses them and they go to the hearing, he can fast track his path to unrestricted free agency next summer. I mean, Winnipeg wants to sign him. He's been happy here. He's had a big role here. He had a career season this last year. The, the best-case scenario for everybody is a long-term deal. But if they're unable or if they don't think from this point of view that they can get that deal done, well, then there's a situation where Winnipeg might be looking to move Andrew Kopp, get assets back, whether it's futures for the draft um, or uh, – Pardon me, futures for the draft, probably the most likely prospects that don't need Seattle eligibility or protection, pardon me. 
Um, and then what you'd be able to do is slide Mason Appleton into that forward protection list as well. Uh, so there's so many of these considerations, and Winnipeg's not the only team, and by far from the craziest situation as well. So in terms of the, the calendar pressure of trying to find a deal for Andrew Klopp, if he's not signed before the dr- expansion draft, what what does that do for protection, or does it do anything? Well, so we have the trade freeze coming up this weekend, right? So I don't think that there's an Andrew Cobb trade market heating up right now as we speak this market, uh, this this particular week. You know, I talked to a few people around the league over the course of the weekend, and that wasn't necessarily something that was front burner for anyone. That said, that trade freeze and then the lead up into the expansion draft itself does become a miniature trade deadline of sorts because. Look, if, if you're trading Andrew Kopp, a player that you want to keep in the fold and, and you'd ideally want that long-term deal with, um, one of the advantages is that protect, being able to protect Mason Appleton uh, without a second thought. Because the idea of not only losing Kopp to a trade or, or to his movement, say, next summer, but also Mason Appleton because you were unable to make the deal to protect him, that's a little bit uh, you know rough for wear. If there is a move... I would think that one of the pressure points would be the expansion draft. And then the next thing to think about is uh, that August 1st deadline, I believe it is, for COP to actually file for arbitration. Filing for arbitration doesn't mean they're going to make it all the way that far. They can continue to negotiate. That happens all the time. But um, by then, Winnipeg will absolutely have a sense of where they're at in terms of that long-term deal and, uh, and whether COP's in it for the long haul. What kind of money do you think he is going to be looking for and deserve well yeah that's an interesting one right because players generally get paid for production points ice time you know you can you can make formulas for this stuff and you know we poked around at that that's what a lot of say the the public contract estimators if you go to evolving hockey for example or or evolving wild they're projecting something in the high fours maybe even around that five million mark for andrew cop based on his minutes and his production i've looked at comparables of forwards around the league at this stage of their contract development with the production and ice time of Andrew Kopp. I've seen that the average is in the low fours, you know, 4.2, 4.3 million as well. But the unique thing about him in this situation is he's just come off an incredible career season. A lot of that offense came with Ehlers and Stastny at the beginning of the year. There was the four goal game. It was a 58 point pace and that's bigger than Kopp has ever produced to this stage of his life, usually what you see is players that have chained multiple seasons like that together get paid well, and then you'd see him pushing well above five, for example, well above five million if he had had multiple of these seasons together, and I think that would be fair. I think with just the one for a track record with that kind of production rate, we're looking at something like four, four and a half. In a number that starts with the four on a long-term deal, uh, the higher it goes, the more years it'll be. Do you think there's any world in which some of the the higher paid players on the Jets, like we saw today, Matt Duchesne will be asked to waive his no trade clause. If something like that would happen on the Jets or just no way. I don't think so. I see those questions go around and I even, I understand the strategy. If you're, if you're a fan and you're thinking, well, look at that, contract value for Blake Wheeler for example you know above eight million dollars he has the full no movement clause so yeah if they're going to expose him they would absolutely need his permission and that's what's happening this week in the case of Duchesne just like you mentioned however in Winnipeg that's not the case I mean Wheeler 
yes, we're getting to the point of his contract where he, he certainly makes an awful lot compared to what you can expect for his production, but he's still a capable top, top six winger. Um, you know, whatever decline that you might project, he's still, you know, a middle six player over the next couple of seasons at the bare minimum, I would think, plus his power play production. He's also an institution here. And I think just from the human element of it in Winnipeg, even if his, even if we were looking at a lower quality player with that price tag, I don't think there's a way in the world where they would ask a, a leader like that with so much prestige and so much, uh, I guess, power and, and within, the, within the structure of the organization based on his tenure here. I just don't think they would do it. I think for human reasons, that's a no-go. They just play it the classy way and then hold on to him without thinking twice about it. Well, fair enough. Thought I'd ask. So you're still in the the camp that, and I think almost everybody analyzing this, though Kelly Moore, when I had him on the show last week, thought that actually Andrew Kopp will be the one that gets picked by uh, the Seattle Kraken. What, are you still sticking with Mason Appleton being the one that goes west? I Yeah, it, without any side deals, without any moves, for me, Andrew Kopp is well inside the top seven uh protection-wise. I don't think that you expose him. I know there's some contractual things, right? I mean, Mason Appleton will make only $900,000 this next year, will be under team control for a number of years as well. And believe me, Mason Appleton is going to outperform that 900 k At the same time, how many forwards on the Winnipeg Jets come with the defensive responsibility of Andrew Kopp with the ability to push play, be a play driver, and play inside a top six as well? I don't think we're looking at 58-point years from now to the end of his career. I don't think that's who he is, and I think that things bounced his way uh, you know, a little bit to get to that pace this season. But he's a unique skill set. He's Adam Lowry with offense in some ways, and Winnipeg's forward group is so offense-heavy in so many ways. I think Andrew Kopp just provides a balance where the ideal situation is he's here uh, long-term. And, I mean, you could say that about Mason Appleton as well. There aren't that many middle six power forwards who turn corners on people. But for me, Kopp is inside that top seven, and Appleton is out unless we see some deals. So this is obviously the first big domino to fall in the off season. We are about a week away from that, two weeks away from free agency. Who do you see right now out there? And this could change after the expansion draft, but who is out there right now that you think should be high on the Jets wish list? Well, I think that how would I say this? For me, there's even that intermediary phase before unrestricted free agency where Seattle may be able to become a broker of defensemen. Because if you look across the league, maybe, you know, Winnipeg, perhaps it's DeMello, perhaps it's Logan Stanley, perhaps they find a way to protect them both. But around the league, there's more top four defensemen available to Seattle than necessarily elite forwards. And what I think that we might see is Seattle make a run on D and then make some trades. And there are some intriguing players available if you look at that route. Um, Vince Dunn coming out of St. Louis with some tremendous analytics though he's never really demonstrated that above the third pair there's even a thought that mark giordano who's been excellent for calgary for so many years could be picked by the kraken and that would be yeah just one year left on his deal a veteran who they may be able to turn around and shop uh so there i feel like that's an intermediary phase and then when the when everything settles from that when the dust settles i think we'll see some of the same names from the trade deadline show up in in rumors again i think jamie oleksiak is um you know a strong top four left-handed defenseman, big player who I think Winnipeg had interest in at the trade deadline. I think that David Savard will probably have his pick of places after winning a cup with with Tampa Bay, but there's another uh, person that I think Winnipeg should be poking around at as well. Um, the, le- the list, if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan, is probably more exciting 
than than not. I think there's a long list of players who are available with various different skill sets. And I think this is the summer where we see whether it's a short-term stopgap until Hanel and Samberg can really take over or something a little bit longer term. I think there's going to be more in play around the NHL this year. And I'm having a tough time of nailing exactly who it's going to be. But I think that we're going to see movement and Winnipeg will, will be a little bit different heading into the next season. So what are you working on before we let you go for the athletic right now? You want to tease your next project? Well, I'm trying to flesh out exactly because that's such a good question that you just asked, right? Who, how are these chips going to fall? You know, we have a series of dominoes, to, to use your word. And then what's going to happen next and why? So for me, I'm going to focus first off on that intermediary phase where I really, really think Seattle is going to be in a great position, make a run on defensemen, use those defensemen as assets. We saw it to some degree with Vegas, I think, because there's the the draft from their perspective is probably defense top heavy. There may be a real opportunity there. So I'm I'm pouring over the expansion lists from other teams right now, and I'm trying to guess who's going to become available, and then which of those players fit that sweet spot of Seattle would move them, but they're good enough to help Winnipeg, and that's an interesting one. Um, so that's that's number one, and then we'll pivot to free agency and, and and all the like because I do think Winnipeg's working hard to upgrade and to return to a win now sort of team, and defense is where that happens. Well, we'll be staying tuned for that. Murata Tesh, appreciate your time as always, and enjoy the next few weeks. Thank you so much, Christian. Thanks for having me. So the CFL making its return this summer, and the Canadian Junior Football League is following suit, announcing today plans for 2021 season with action starting August 22nd. And joining us now is the coach of the Winnipeg Rifles, Jordy Wilson. Exciting day, Jordy, for the league and for your team. Absolutely, man. And sorry, I, I missed the last segment, but I'm on the field here with the guys who are just checking their temperatures and going through all that stuff. So. Sorry, Mr. No Call, but yeah, no worries. We're excited. Yeah. So, how does it feel to kind of start getting back to normal? Well, it feels pretty darn good, actually. I mean, I think hopefully, uh, you know, tomorrow we're going to hear, it sounds like maybe we're going to hear some more loosening of restrictions, etc. So, that'll be good. So, right now we're Doing some conditioning. Uh, we've been, I guess, the twenty was it twenty seventh of June. We started those first three days before Canada Day when they loosen stuff to twenty fives, and we have fifty guys in the field, twenty five each end, as long as they don't come within twenty five yards of each other. So we're trying to get them in shape right now so that we can hopefully fire it up on uh, Monday and actually do some football related stuff. Yeah. So explain what you've actually been able to do to try to at least keep in some semblance of shape. Yeah. So like everybody else, once last March hit everything basically stopped and uh, same with us. So we couldn't do any training or anything. So then what happened was when they loosened the restrictions to allow 25 gatherings of 25 outside, we could have 25 players and they didn't include any of the therapists as we're getting them. We started doing field work with them because like everybody in order to evaluate kids properly, they have to be in some form of shape. And I mean, you know, some of them, you know, had done some stuff, but obviously some had. So on the 27th or the 28th, 29th and 30th, yes, you guys saw it up. In the bush, it was quite hot out, and uh, you know they probably a lot of them hadn't done a lot of stuff, and maybe not drank enough water, and maybe not eaten some good food. But they're doing pretty good now, so the kids are uh, hard at it. So we got we have two sessions: one starts at seven, and one starts at eight fifteen. So we're kind of working through about a hundred kids right now, and evening. So get fifty a session, twenty five at each end, and uh, we're getting them in shape so we can start football, kind of get rolling uh, next week. So you've got, I guess, this is kind of like the the rifles version of the training camp then. 
Yeah, for, I mean, you know, it's kind of it's so it's interesting. Like, see, so Starlene's our athletic therapist. She's working for the Bombers too. So I think a lot of the stuff the Bombers were doing last week uh, prior to their camp starting is kind of what our guys are doing the exact same thing. So it's just to get them in shape, and then uh, we'll start uh, next week. We'll be in helmets, and the week after that, we should be in equipment. And then we'll have an inter squad game probably I guess in about three weeks, and then we open our season. Hopefully, if all things go. We're supposed to be opening August 22nd here against Regina. If the province doesn't okay that stuff, we'll, we can go to Saskatchewan and play because our full team is pretty well all fully vaccinated now, so we can travel and we can play there. But everything's still a little bit up in the air, but there will definitely be a season. So the uh, when does the season in a normal year start? Uh, about two weeks earlier. We're about okay. two weeks in, in arrears. So basically they pushed everything back, so we'll have a full eight-game season, and uh, what they're doing this year in lieu of with the whole COVID issues uh, in our conference, um, everyone's going to make the playoffs this year, reason being in case there's a, an outbreak on a team, someone's got to, you know, and has to cancel a game, that uh, they'll have, you know, they, they'll just give a one nothing victory to the other team, and that way we can move on. Hopefully, obviously, that doesn't happen, but that's kind of the safeguards they, safe they put in place. So the top two seeds get a buy, and then three versus yeah. six, four versus five. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's pretty exciting. Actually, it's just you know, it was great to kind of see uh, all the young guys and our older guys. Really, like it was kind of. I mean, the good and bad of it is like our the the kids are twenty two year olds that would have been twenty two last year. That would have been their last year. They gave them an extra year, um, but. A lot of our guys were in that situation where, you know, they maybe were graduate from university, they got their red seal on a crew, they're looking in, you know, their girlfriend and them decided to buy a house, that kind of stuff. So some real life stuff kind of got in the way. So we lost some of our older guys, but that's, you know, kind of be expected. Life gets in the way and people move on and different things. So we lost some of those guys. We're going to be a little younger, but uh, we're a pretty eager group here. We have some good returning players, so I think everything will be good. So I, I imagine that it's probably too soon to say what your expectations are for this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now it's like everything. You know, like when you're evaluating kids are just starting to. I mean, they look good in shorts. They run around here pretty good. And they look looks like some of them kept themselves in some semblance of shape. But uh, once we start uh, grinding it out here, we'll see uh, who can actually play when the lights come on for real here. So, but right now um, we're cautiously optimistic, and I think a lot of teams in our conference we'll be in the same boat when it comes to losing some of the older kids and whatnot, but uh, our guys are fired up. Like it's kind of, you know, for some, you know, that year and a half or whatever you get off and the way it unfolds and different things happen and you kind of move on. But then there's some kids that are just been clamoring and you can see that they're really excited to be, have an opportunity to play football again. So they're all fired up and our our coaches are fired up and uh, we're ready to rock and roll. So we're looking forward to Monday to kind of getting the real football stuff started, but, uh, it's great to get them in shape. So, I mean, like, they, you know, they're getting about three weeks of kind of getting their bodies tuned up so we can get ready to go. One of the fascinating things I always think about when it comes to football is that you're training right now and over the next week or two, it's supposed to be in the mm-hmm. 30s, and yet mm-hmm. the biggest games of the season are often below zero. I always, I always find that fascinating. It is. It is fascinating. It is like you know. It's kind of funny. I was golfing in the Cinnabon Chamber golf term today. And I was golfing with this guy from Peru, and he's like, "Yeah, here he's been here for a half year." He says, "Man, I moved to the coldest place in the world." I said, "But you know what's funny? I said today, who would think that this place goes to minus thirty? 
right? Because it just doesn't seem possible. But but you're right. It is. It's you get out here and it's all hot and crazy. And then like you say, when the real meaningful games come, it's there's a lot of frost on the pumpkin, snow on the ground. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. That's for sure. Well, Jordy, appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for uh, taking some time to, to talk to us, and good luck as you get ready for things here. Well, I appreciate uh, we appreciate the call. We appreciate the support. Rifle up. We're ready to roll. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your